tonight. I am laying the foundation. I'm going to look at Bible scripture and I'm going to talk about the things the Bible says. Okay, and, and just talk about scripture. Next time, we're going to start talking about things that are in the news, cutting edge technologies and stuff like that. And we're going to delve into different areas. But if we don't have this as our foundation, the next nine weeks don't matter. It's just a bunch of talk. This has to be the foundation for what we believe and why we believe it. Tonight's study is titled, Different From Here. Before we begin, we take a look at a biblical timeline. This timeline, I believe, is where we are today, present age. The next key on this timeline is the rapture of the church. And then we see a seven-year period here, years of tribulation. This is tribulation and the great tribulation, beginning of sorrows, all part of the tribulation. After the tribulation is the return of Christ. There's two returns of Christ. One is in the clouds and one is to the earth. So really there's only one return of Christ for the world, but for Christians there's the return of Christ in the air, in the clouds the rapture of the church. And so then he returns here with all of his saints. Get your horseback riding lessons in. Okay, the millennial reign of Christ is then there. That's a thousand years millennial reign. It's talked about all through uh, Revelation. And then we go into the eternal state after the millennial reign of Christ. And uh, so... In essence, as a believer, we are in the eternal state right now. We're just in the wrong body. Uh, things are going to improve in the future. We're going to get a better body where we can uh, dwell in the eternal state forever. So, um, Daniel was a prophet in the Old Testament who talked about the prophecies that are going to be important for us to understand this timeline. Go to the next slide, please. Daniel wrote in Daniel 9.24, 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem under Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. And after the sixty-two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself." And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end of it shall be with the flood. Until the end of the war, desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. 
But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. So uh, go back to that slide. There you go. And so here you see that we started here and we have one week, one week of years, seven years. So the prophecy of Daniel was talking about, it's commonly known as the 70 year prophecy, the week of year prophecy. 490 years is the prophecy. And it says it started out with um, seven years, then 62 years, and then after that the Messiah would be cut off, but not for himself. That prophecy took place exactly the way Daniel said it was going to take place. On the day that the signing of the decree to rebuild Jerusalem was signed, the clock started ticking. And seven weeks and 62 weeks, 69 weeks of years went by. And on that final day, Jesus Christ rode through the Kidron Valley into the Temple Mount the exact day. Now, I didn't figure that out myself. Just want to let you know. Um, there is actually uh, a theologian uh, from um, Europe that figured that out. He did this years ago, Sir Someone and So Forth, but I can look it up for you if you really want to know. Um, but he was the one that came up with the exact days because people would get it wrong all the time because uh, they were using a 364-day uh, calendar instead of a 360-day calendar. And when they went back to what they were using back then, it all fit perfectly uh, for the day that he entered. And then he then entered and he was cut off, but not for himself. Who was he cut off for? All of us. He was cut off for all of us. He was crucified for our sins. He didn't have any sin, but he was crucified for our sin. And he was cut off for us. From that time the clock stopped, waiting for this final week right here, one week of years right here. See, the reason why people get, they say, well, that was a week. He said week. He didn't say week. He said sevens. It's 70 sevens. So it could be seven of anything. It could have been seven millennia, but it wasn't. It was years because it was confirmed when Jesus, the Messiah, rode through the Kidron Valley. Then they knew exactly how long that was from the day of the signing of the rebuilding of Jerusalem to the day Jesus rode in was this amount of time, and it was, uh, yeah, 483 years. So there were still seven years left in that timeline, that time clock. This is the seven years. Who was the prophecy for? The prophecy was for the Jews. The Jews were told that this prophecy was for them. 
And so this part of the prophecy is still for the Jews. It's not for the Gentiles. If you're here and you are not a Jew, you're a Gentile. If you hear and you are a Jew, that week is for you. That's the week that um, is coming up, I believe, shortly. So the first three and a half years, this is where the Antichrist is going to establish himself. The second three years, he is going to expose himself. There's a difference. He establishes himself as a ruler in the first three and a half years. In the second three and a half years, he shows himself to be God. In the middle of this time, right here, the desecration of the temple, he is going to allow, he's going to allow the, the um, Jews to rebuild their temple. He's going to sign the decree to give them the ability to rebuild a temple on the Temple Mount. Impossible, right? Because the Dome of the Rock is there, the Al-Aqsa Mosque is there. Oh, there's also a place called the Dome of the Spirit. And it's blank, it's empty. There's nothing there except for this little dome that sits there. It's right in line with the east gate. It also is the perfect size for the temple to be rebuilt right there. And I said it's in line with the east gate. That's because the original temple was in line with the east gate that you can see through the east gate up onto the Mount of Olives. And so that is the most likely location where the temple is going to be rebuilt. Regardless of where that temple is going to be rebuilt, he's going to be the one to make it happen. He's going to be the one to sign the decree to allow the temple to be rebuilt. I don't care if it's going to be in Kansas. That's, he's going to allow it to be rebuilt. The Jews are all going to celebrate. They're all going to say, woo we have our temple and we're going to rebuild the temple. And they are going to think he is the Messiah. But halfway through, when the temple is rebuilt and sacrifices have started again, he's going to stop the sacrifices. He is going to then erect a statue of himself in the Holy of Holies, claiming himself to be God. Revelation has a lot to say about this. We're going to talk about this in one of our future studies because there's all kinds of stuff that now makes sense. See, before it didn't make sense what was going to take place, but now we can put two and two together and see that it makes five. Oh, some of you are paying attention. That's good. I'm glad. The tribulation is going to end with that thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, and he's going to be locked up. And so it's going to be a peaceful time. Tonight, I'm going to be focusing on the conditions of the earth leading up to the rapture. In Matthew chapter 24, he, Jesus, told the disciples what to expect in the last days. You guys know I love Matthew 24. I love what Jesus said, and I speak on it a lot 
because he talked about wars and rumors of wars, famines and pestilences and earthquakes in many places. It, it is such that we look at what's going on in the world today. We say, oh, oh, this is the time. But uh, I'm not going to focus on that tonight. And I'm going to focus on something a little different. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 37, Jesus reflects back to the time where he is now going to talk about the rapture of the church. There are many theologians, people that um, have n numbers and, and stuff after their name or, or uh, you know, capital letters after their name. They believe that this is all written to the Jews, only to the Jews. It only refers to the Jews. So this can't be referring to the rapture. It has to be referring to the second coming. I, I refute that. Matthew 24, 37 says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For it, as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving into marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. And so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. You see, I believe that Matthew 24 is written to the Jews during the tribulation period, warning them of what they are going to see. Jesus says in that chapter, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, don't go back in and get your clothes. Get out of there. Run as fast as you can. Okay, so he was talking about the middle of the tribulation period, but this, in Matthew 24, he's going back to talk about the days of Noah, so will the days of the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving into marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. How many years was Noah building that ark? Hundred years. He was building the ark. It wasn't like it came on by surprise. You know, he didn't build it over the weekend, you know, and you know, even when they built the model of the ark out in Kentucky, uh, uh, when they built that, is that right, John, Kentucky? Yeah, thank you. And they built it there, it didn't take a week. You know, this is with technology and tools and everything else and, and hundreds of people and, and it took years to build it. Well, Noah did this with his sons and you know how sons are. <laughs> they just want to be text messaging. They just say, they didn't want to do the work. But uh, it took a hundred years and the world saw that he was building this ark. The people around him were like, what are you doing? He says, oh, it's going to rain. It's going to flood. God's going to bring. Do you know what they said? 
What's rain? It had never rained before. So they didn't know that it was going to rain until it did. When people tell me the rapture, it's never happened before. First of all, it has. Uh, the rapture happened to a gentleman named Enoch. He was and he was not. And boom. So Enoch was the first one to sample the rapture. And now we're going to see it on a worldwide scale. But the world is still doing what they're doing. Notice it says, for as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and given into marriage. That's not going to happen at the end of the tribulation period. If you read Revelation, you will see that the tribulation period is going to be disastrous for the earth. There, over 50% of the people will be killed that are alive on the face of the earth. There isn't going to be drinking and weddings and they're not going to be doing that because there's not even going to be anything to drink pretty much at that point. They're going to be hurting for everything. There's going to be famines and starvation. They're not even going to... They're, they're trying to stop marriage now. They're trying to stop people from... They're trying to convince people you don't need to be married anymore. And it's taking hold. There are many people who have now decided that they don't need to be married. They can just act like they're married and that's okay. And that will work out in the long run. But that's why I believe that this is talking about the rapture because I believe that the rapture will happen on such a day as like today. There were weddings and there you know, were celebrations and there's all kinds of things going on. People were living their life as usual and then all of a sudden it came. And I believe that's what Jesus is warning us about here. What's interesting is that Luke adds one more sentence that Jesus taught. He said, there will be two men lying in bed. One will be taken, one won't. This is not talking about homosexuality. What this is talking about, the word men in this case would be mankind, would be any people, person, would be in bed. So it could be two women in bed. It could be a man and a woman in bed. But it's the way the language is written. It's written like that. There will be two men in bed. One will be taken, one will not. Why does that matter any? Because the other one were men in the field. The other one were women that were working at the mill. But this is men sleeping. Well, it's not daytime, obviously, otherwise they would be working. So that is showing us that it's a worldwide event. It happens at one time as a worldwide event. And so that's kind of good to have in the back of our mind as we look at this um, event coming up. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, Paul explains what the Spirit says we can expect to see in the end times. And now the 
Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Folks, we're seeing that today. That, that's very evident. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. What does that mean? Having your conscience seared. You see, their conscience is seared to the point where nothing's getting in and nothing's getting out. It's seared. I like my steak seared, not my conscience. See, I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit so that when the Holy Spirit's trying to tell me something, I'm aware, I'm, I'm ready for the warning. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Abstaining from food. Uh, have, have we seen that recently? Well, now they're trying to tell us that we have to move away from, you know, our normal food sources. We don't have to move away. They're already doing it for us. They're already transitioning our food, and we may not even realize that it's happening right now. I know how you realize it, though. Go out to one of your restaurants and eat a meal and say, this ain't right. And we're noticing it more and more. You know, some of the better restaurants, you don't see it as much. But uh, we're noticing that our stomachs can't handle some of the normal places that we would go and eat. And we believe it's because of the quality of the food that they're serving in the restaurants. They're making a big push to eat bugs. Hey, John the Baptist did it. Just get some honey and, you know. But they're really making a push. How much of a push? Well, they've got the factories churning 24-7. I think it's over in Norway. Was that where it was? Norway? I, I think. Anyway, they're, they're making bug flour. And you can find it in some of the products on the shelf now. Uh, you just have to know what to look for uh, in the ingredients. And they, call, they don't call it bug flour, but uh, they have the actual terms of what, what it is that they're putting in the food, and it's not good. So, um, you know, we gotta be ready for that. So, all of these things, they're, they're what Isaiah said in Isaiah 5.20, that people are calling good evil and evil good. We're seeing that right now. Read Isaiah 5 and you can see what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 5 is happening in the world today. Uh, the very confusion that's going on in the world is happening um, you know, without anyone being able to do anything about it. There's more reason um, to give thanks for the food that we're eating. Uh, give thanks, pray for it. Um, and, uh, you know, the Lord isn't 
going to allow us to be poisoned. Even if we eat poison, if we're praying and giving thanks for the stuff um, that we're eating, I'm going to be talking about the whole food supply issue in one of the future teachings. We'll talk about that more then. Paul felt it was necessary to address the end times with Timothy in the second letter that he wrote, 2 Timothy chapter 3, where he wrote, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, uh, unthankful, unholy. This is all stuff that we're seeing today. It's more than what we saw in the 50s and the 40s. and the th- it, This is stuff that's really accelerating. Unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despises of good. Have we seen brutality in the action of, the, of these people in San Francisco and some of the other major cities where we have these people that are just attacking 90-year-olds and they're like teenagers and, and young adults attacking 90-year-olds and, and, and beating them up and stealing from them. They're traitors. Uh, they're despisers of good. Traitors, headstrong, haughty. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power And from such people turn away. Probably a good idea not to make these people your friends. But it's really a picture of what we're seeing in the world today. The bad news is that things are going to get worse. The good news is I hope we're out of here before that. But I believe that, and I believe we will be, but I believe they're going to get much, much worse. And uh, people are going to have to endure some crazy stuff. I believe his deliverance is going to be the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Thessalonians 1.10, Wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So Paul is telling Jesus, Uh, is telling us that Jesus is delivering us from the wrath to come. We're being delivered from it. In 1 Thessalonians 5.9, this is not on your screen, um, God did not appoint us to wrath. So we know that we're not going to be included in that. But the next thing that is on the screen is Revelation 3.10. Jesus is writing to the church in Philadelphia and he's saying, hey, Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. This test is going to happen to the whole earth, it says. But we're exempt from this test. It said, I will keep you. He didn't say, I'm going to protect you through the test, like Noah on the ark, I've heard the argument, oh no, we're going through the tribulation period, but we're going to be like Noah in the ark. No. It says that we're going to be kept 
from the trial. We're going to be taken out away from the trial. And that's Jesus rapturing us, taking us out. But people don't want to believe this. Peter uh, says that the Holy Spirit told him what the world was going to look like. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. First of all, that's wrong. All things didn't continue the way it was from the beginning of creation. There was that little intermission called the flood, wiped everything out, and it started over again. So even just the idea that, oh, everything is going the same way that it's always been is wrong because we only see things from our life perspective. You know, I look back of when I was a kid and I don't remember the good days because I was out there wreaking havoc. And so I was making bad days for other people. I'm sure my parents will attest to that, but they're in heaven. So I look at this and say, you know, I am a testimony of what can go wrong, but I'm also a testimony of what can go right. I'm a testimony of what God can do even with someone who had no plan to become a Christian. I had no idea, no desire to do that. But scoffers are here now doing the same thing. That doesn't mean they won't be saved. There are many scoffers that are out there that are scoffing, but they may be saved. It may happen in the future. We should remember that God doesn't want anyone to perish. In the early church, Thessalonica was having a problem with the rapture also. They thought they missed it. They thought, oh, man, we missed the rapture, and now what's going to happen? And what about all the people that died? They missed the rapture too because they're dead. And Paul tells them to have hope. In 1 Thessalonians 4.13, he wrote, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus, meaning those who have died that were Christians, believers. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, 
and the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. I like what Paul said. He said, we... He said, we who are alive and remain. He believed that the Lord could return in his lifetime. And every generation since then, people believe that the Lord can return in their lifetime. But many of them have gone home to be with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with him. And so are we being deceived and deluded now also? People are concerned about that. They think, well, what if this is just another one of those times? I can understand why people would think that. But just as there's going to be a great apostasy during this time, I believe there's going to be a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit not in um, this big revival and big churches that are, that are blowing up and all of this happening. It's in the individuals that are living for Christ. It's in the individuals that are saying, you know what? I need to live my life for Christ. And there are more and more people that I know that are saying, you know what? I don't have a taste for this world anymore. I've lost my taste. Not because of COVID. I lost my taste because the world doesn't have any flavor anymore. It doesn't taste good. And now I am looking forward to what's next. The blessed hope. I want that. I want to get out of here. And I believe that's where the Holy Spirit is doing his greatest work. Energizing people to walk with the Lord in everyday life so that we can be the example for those that are, are not sure. We wouldn't be comforting each other if these words were implied that we would be here for the tribulation. We, we wouldn't be saying, well, we only got seven years and you know it's going to be rough and there's going to be all kinds of death and mayhem. Uh, but let's, you know, don't you feel good about that? I don't. I want to be out of here. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. That doesn't say how fast the rapture is going to happen. It says that we're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye. We're going to be changed from this magnificent body that I can't wait to get rid of into an incorruptible body, into one that will last for eternity, it will happen just like that. 
But that doesn't say that the rapture is going to happen like that. I think the rapture may be a little slower as we're, as we're being raptured. Remember when Jesus uh, was talking with the disciples in Acts and he was taken up into heaven. They were watching him until he made it to the clouds. And then once the cloud took him, they couldn't, they couldn't see him anymore. And then the angels that were there, what are you looking for? You know, don't you know that the same way he left, he's going to be coming back in the clouds. And I believe that that's maybe how the rapture, people will see this happening. Oh, the aliens took them. We're going to be talking about that too. Um, I have a couple of aliens that we're going to interview here. <laughs> the question many people have is, why? Why the tribulation? Why not just come and end all the pain, all the suffering, and, and all of that? And I believe it's because it's just part of God's plan. He's sovereign. He can do what he wants. But I believe it's part of God's plan that he gave us the instructions for. He told us what was going to happen and when it was going to happen. And so we're just fulfilling the plan of God. We, as the Gentile church are not part of that part of the plan. That's why the rapture. Because that part of the plan, the 70th week of Daniel, is for the Jews, not for the Gentiles. And so when the rapture takes place, now I know some people get confused and they say, well, hold on. Doesn't Paul say there is neither Jew nor Gentile, male nor female, and you know, that, that's confusing to me. Uh, I can understand how that can be confusing because any Jew that's a believer is also going to be taken in the rapture. You see, that's all the church. Uh, there isn't any differentiation of Jews and Gentiles, male and female, in the rapture of the church. But... The 70th week of Daniel starts, and those Jews that are Jews, maybe they're ultra-Orthodox, maybe they're not anything, maybe they're agnostic, atheist, uh, whatever they are, they're Jews still. They have the opportunity now to know who God is, and God is going to reveal himself Romans chapter 11 tells us that's what's going to happen. Many churches teach that the church has replaced Israel as the children of God. That's not true at all. Israel is still the children of God. They're just misbehaving, but God is still going to address them. He's going to turn his face back towards them, and he's going to give them one week, of year, uh, one week of years to um, get it straight and to recognize him as the Lord and Savior. For us, we're just waiting on Jesus to return in the rapture. Bible prophecy is being fulfilled right before our very eyes. We need to be prepared. The writer of Hebrews said this in Hebrews 10.23, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope, without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. 
And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. And now I believe we see the day approaching. Have, have you ever in your life seen a time such as this where it appears that the day is really approaching. I know there were many times in my life where I thought, oh, this is getting close, getting close. But now it's just much more obvious. Even though many people disagree what I believe about the rapture, I see things different from here. This is what I see. And I read it through his word. And I believe the Holy Spirit has inspired me to share this so that others can also see and hear for themselves. Don't just take my word for it. Be a Berean. Check the scriptures yourselves. And these things are evident. These things are going to just come out and, um, and, and they're going to be made aware to you because you're seeking the truth. And the Lord, when you seek the truth, he will show you the truth. He will reveal it to you. So... God has given us many examples in the past. I don't want to be the one to say, oh, in hindsight, I, I should have recognized that. No, it's let's be prepared because the hour is coming upon us very quickly. Amen?